What up, y'all? DJ bringing it in hot today. I like it. That's my boy. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Duke Show. I'm your host, RJ Dupree. Episode number 10 of the Duke Show, the show about sports and whatever. It's been forever. Since I got to talk to you guys, I mean forever. DJ, what are you doing over there? Not bad. What was episode nine even about? It's been months since I got to talk to you guys. I've been out of the loop. I apologize to everyone. I got into the election and all that and been crazy finishing up the year that is 2020, right? Thank goodness we are almost there. Thanks Christmas. Is this week and 2020 is almost ready to get the heck out of here. My career's been pretty much trashed, so I've been worried about that. Recently got COVID, been worried about that. All is well though, spent a couple days kind of sick. Now we're rocking and rolling, we're ready to go, we're, ready to, we're still quarantined, but we're ready to uh, knock this booger out of here and bring in the new year with a fresh start, ready to rock and roll. 2021. What was episode 9 about? I don't even remember. Episode 9 of the Dupe Show, we had some social talk, all the social distractions was going on, and then we had Dak's contract, all that was going on, the poor guy, he's he's busted up his foot and messed all that up by now, but Dak will be alright. And when Dak, when Dak got injured, I thought to myself, I was like, holy cow, that looks just like Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota's foot when they cracked their tibia. And crack their fibia. Or whatever. I'm not a doctor. But the, both the legs broke and you dislocated your ankle. And by golly, that's what Dak did. Anyway. So apparently when your ankle's pointed to about 3, 3.30, that's what happens. What else were we talking about? Episode 9 was Major League Baseball payout structure. They was trying to get the season going. And by golly, they did. They made it. They made it. I had an opportunity... To even go to the World Series game. I went to World Series game five. Of course, my uh, my Tampa Bay Rays were there. Had a good time rooting on those guys. And the Dodgers, also friendly. Friendly with the Dupe Show. We like the Dodgers, too. Uh, but we had to root for the Rays a little bit since those are my official boys. And, of course, uh, I was at game five. It was pretty boring. Game four was the exciting one, if everyone remembers that. And then uh, Game 5 was a boring one. And then Game 6, of course, Kevin Cash pulls Blake Snell when he's absolutely mowing in the name of analytics. Bleh. You know what was cool about that? John Smoltz mentioned during the, uh, during the broadcast, he's like, you know, analytics is really cool, but it could cause you problems in the World Series, right? I mean, it just takes... One guy to get a hit at the wrong time to, like, blow a championship. And Smoltzy referred to it a little bit from the offensive side. Like, somebody could bloop a single to win the game or something like that. Or, or lay down a bunt to, to the third base side of the field when nobody's over there. Or something like that. And really, it was the pitching side of analytics that came to, came to fruition in Game 6. And Kevin Cash... Stuck to his guns, went out there and pulled a guy that was absolutely mowing him down. Was by far their greatest chance to extend the series. And he took him out 
and the Dodgers won the world championship a few minutes later. Anyway, that's my spiel on that. And uh, let's see what else has happened recently. We got a lot of things we could talk about. DJ, I think I'm having a big problem, by the way. We got a problem. You know, uh, I've shaken this COVID thing. I'm still in quarantine. I don't know. uh, You know, I'm feeling good, feeling great. I wanted to do a podcast tonight. And uh, all of a sudden, I put this hoodie on. I think I'm allergic to my new soap. Is that a thing? Is my, can I be allergic to my new laundry soap? Yes, DJ saying yes, that's very much a thing. I changed the flavor up on my laundry soap a while back. And uh, finally get the opportunity to do some laundry. And apparently the new flowery flavor I've got is jacking me up. I hate it. Anyway. Uh, what else has happened in the world of sports? Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma Sooners, six straight Big 12 titles. That's pretty cool. Good for them. Lincoln Riley had some issues in the second half, like he's done before in the past. Lincoln Riley gets off pretty easy around these parts. You know, he's had some games where some folks could come after him a little bit. The uh, this, this Big 12 championship very much resembled the Rose Bowl against Georgia when the second half absolutely stunk. His team couldn't run the ball when they tried just a few times, and they should have been trying a heck of a lot more, just like the other day in Dallas against Iowa State. Had a nice big lead in the second half, should have been running the ball, really wasn't. Made a few attempts, really couldn't. Although their tailback, Madre Stevenson, still averaged five over five yards a carry. So apparently he was getting the job done when his number was called. And uh, so Lincoln Riley, six straight Big 12 title for the Oklahoma Sooners. But but pick it up, Lincoln. Pick it up. You know, we could get after you for the Georgia game. We could get after you for this game a little bit. And LSU, even though it was an absolute shellacking last year, I hated the game plan. I mean, it was it was terrible. And I don't care what you say, even if you're outnumbered, outmatched, and, and you're probably going to get whooped, which the Oklahoma Sooners were in a predicament taking on the LSU Tigers last year in the national semifinal game. But as a head coach, if it were me, if I know I'm outmatched, if I know I'm in a position where it's going to be tough, I might only win this game one out of 20, one out of 50, one out of 100 times. It's my job to find that one. I felt like... The game plan that the Oklahoma Sooners took that day to LSU was absolutely drawn dead. Might as well not even get off the bus. They stunk it up on the first play. They stunk it up on the first three plays. Went three and out. Next thing you know, they're down seven to nothing. Then they do it again on the second drive. Next thing you know, they're down 14 nothing. And it was lights out. Granted, it was a whooping. They were a lot better than the Sooners. But I did not like... How the Sooners took the field that day. Didn't like it. And there's only one guy you can point the finger at when that happens. But continuing about college football, one of my very favorite times of year, the College Football Playoff Committee has announced their Final Four for the National Championship Tournament. Yes! And it's only four teams. It's beautiful. We don't need any more than that. You can talk me into six, but any more than that, and I'm playing golf. Every October and November and December. I'm done with college football if you go more than six. 
I don't want you to water down my playoffs. I don't need any more losers in my playoffs. Four is beautiful. And once again, four works out perfectly. The committee has selected their four teams, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. And guess who are the four that should be in the playoff? Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. They nailed it again. And it was easy. Of course, there could be a little bit of a dispute in that four spot. Notre Dame versus Texas A&M. But in my eyes, Notre Dame had a better season. They're 10-1. They had two wins over top 15 opponents. And they deserve it. I don't care if they got their butts kicked in the uh, conference title game against Clemson. I don't care. They deserve it. It was a better year than Texas A&M. Now, Texas A&M wants to brag about all those SEC victories. And, oh boy, that's so cool. And it's so annoying. Now, I wouldn't have cared if Texas A&M were to get in there. I I wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't have felt sorry for Notre Dame. Because they did kind of, that was a terrible loss. They could have got off the bus better than that, right? But Texas A&M wants to brag about all their victories in the big, giant SEC. They beat Florida. Nice, big, top 15 win. Very nice. And then they beat... Tennessee, Auburn, LSU, South Carolina, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. Whoop-dee-doo. Whoop-dee-doo! Take that, SEC. Whoop-dee-doo. Now, the cool thing about the SEC is when the big boys are playing at their best, their ceiling is really, really good, right? They're going to be one and two in the country. But you get to the everyone else in the SEC, and it's the same old junk everybody else plays. I mean, that, that's what people don't seem to understand. Everybody's like, oh, tough, this, 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 this schedule's so tough, this schedule's so tough, why don't this schedule happen? Hey, everybody's playing the same junk, man. Everybody's got two or three tough games that's going to put them in a championship position if they win all the other games they're supposed to win. And then they're going to play a bunch of junky ones, right? I mean, everybody does it. It doesn't matter if you're OU, it doesn't matter if you're Florida, it doesn't matter if you're Alabama, it doesn't matter if you're Texas A&M, it doesn't matter if you're Clemson. They're all the same. Two or three big games, and the rest of them are junk. So I don't want to hear anything about, oh, this team played such a tough schedule. Ain't nobody playing a tough schedule. Right? I mean, the top four or five teams are a lot better than everybody else, and the top two are usually a lot better than everyone else. For that being said, just like this year. This year could be a lot easier to argue that, guess what? We could have another two-team playoff like we've been able to do in the past. And it would make more sense than anything else. Right? And I know, I know, nobody wants to have Ohio State in the playoffs, 6-0. They only played six games, right? They only played six games. I don't care. Their sixth game was a Big Ten championship. They've earned it, right? They, they started preseason in the top four. They come out in the first college football playoff poll in the top four. Nobody ever passed them. They're 6-0. Why would, why would they drop? They shouldn't drop, right? I mean, does it suck? Yes, of course it sucks. I wish they would have played 10 or 11 games like everybody else. But but they're clearly in the top four. Sorry about your luck. It's 2020. Please get over it, right? I mean, that's the way it goes. 2020, we got it. The rules are going to be different for this year. They're going to be crazy. It's going to be bent. So that's what I have to say about that. And Cincinnati, 
Yeah, people still bring up Cincinnati, these non-Power 5 schools. Everybody wants to feel sorry for these non-Power 5 schools. It's so cute. Cute like a baby duck. Just precious. Oh, and I gave this spiel a couple years ago. UCF, at least the UCF squad from two years ago was good. They didn't play anybody, and they don't deserve to be in the college football playoff, but at least they were good. This Cincinnati team, they didn't play anybody, nor are they that good. I hope Georgia's ready to show up in the bowl game. Because if Georgia's interested, that's going to be ugly. This Cincinnati team, it ain't it, folks. It ain't it. Last couple of games, uh, let's see, they beat Tulsa by three. They beat US, UCF by three. A not good UCF squad by three. Uh, the Cincinnati team. And in these small schools, I'm so sick and tired of everybody feeling sorry for the non-Power 5 guy that goes undefeated. I don't feel sorry for you. They know what needs to be done to get in the playoff, and they don't do it. It's that simple. And it can be done. A lot of people says no. It'll never happen. Can't be done. It can be done. And nobody tries to do it correctly. Now, I wouldn't be opposed if the non-Power Fives wanted to have their own playoff. I wouldn't be opposed to that. But I would rather see a non-Power Five school have the cojones, have the nuts, to schedule a non-conference, oh, say, OU, Florida, at least two of the big boys. Maybe even three. It can be done. And if you go win those non-conference games and then win your conference, go undefeated and beat all the little pansy schools you're supposed to beat, you will crack the code. You will crack the code. Remember a few years ago, Houston had the code cracked two or three months ago in the schedule, and uh, all they had done is beaten OU that year. All they had done is beaten the Oklahoma Sooners that year, and they're cruising, cruising through the polls. They're about seven or eight, somewhere in there. All they have to do is wait on the big boys, to beat each other up down the stretch, and they are going to get in. Right? And the Houston Cougars dropped the ball. They go and donk off two games to Temple and Memphis or whoever the heck it was that year, and then they're nowhere to be found. They had cracked the code just by beating OU. It gave them enough juice to shoot them up into the top 10 when they needed to be in the top 10. Then all they had to do was win out. And they failed. So I don't want to hear it can't be done. The people that say it can't be done are wrong. And Mercer, somehow Mercer in the last like five years, their non-conference schedule is like Auburn, Alabama, North Carolina, Florida. Now, if the, Merce, if the Mercer Bears can do it, why can't the UCF Golden Knights? Why can't the Cincinnati Bearcats? Now, it's almost a disservice of these athletic departments to not go out and schedule as tough as they possibly can. If Cincinnati's non-conference was to be, say, I mean, it doesn't have to get crazy. It could be Tennessee, OU, and Dayton. Go win those three games and then go go wreck your conference. Go undefeated. You'll find enough juice to be close. You'll probably find enough juice to get in a playoff. Unless four of the big boys just go undefeated and then you're screwed. I loved it. The uh, the committee chairman, Gary Barta, right? The college football playoff committee chairman. He's he's on the interview on ESPN after they announced the four. And one of the ESPN guys begging for a story when it's not there. He's like, oh, Cincinnati this, Cincinnati that. Uh, well, I, I mean, how'd you guys, 
how'd you guys just not give Cincinnati the credit? He's like, well, it's not like we didn't give Cincinnati credit. We, we measured Cincinnati, and we put them right where they belong. <laughs> I was loving it. I was loving it. Yeah, we measured them, and they're right where they belong, and he's exactly right. You know, we, we love to listen to all these media people begging for stories when there's nothing there. There's really nothing there. I don't know what we're... We do that as people. We've done that as, you know, the political debates and all that through the election. We loved doing it there. Oh, my gosh. We still do it. I may have to start a political show one of these days because uh, when it comes to politics, people are so dumb. They will believe anything according to their agenda, right? So, uh, and, and, and it's a blast to get into some of that stuff, but I lost way too much sleep when I got into it during the election. And then, of course... Uh, the un- the unthinkable happened, and and we voted for these two yardbirds to become president and vice president, and uh, and so yeah, I'm I don't know what to think about all that. I'm still a little turned off, but who knows? It would be fun to get into because man, when we have an agenda, we lose our minds, and it's true in sports, and it's true in politics. By the way, happy sixty fourth birthday. As I'm doing this show here today, today would have been the 64th birthday for the late Bob Berry Jr. And of course, uh, all of us folks growing up in the Oklahoma City area, we we remember Bob Berry Jr., one of the great sports broadcasters for a long, long time. And I had an opportunity to work with Jr. on uh, the Sports Animal with, uh, with some of those guys back in the day. And I tell you, I saw... I saw Junior probably, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years later after I had the opportunity to work with him. Uh, he spoke to a lot of our broadcasting classes in, uh, at UCO, the University of Central Oklahoma, when I was finishing up some school there. And, uh, and man, I saw Junior ten years later probably after I worked with him. And the man, he looked at me and smiled and opened his arms and said, What's up, RJ? How the heck have you been? That's the way... That's the way Junior always was, man. That that guy was so cool and so influential to a lot of uh, future sports broadcasters in Oklahoma City. So, happy birthday, late Bob Ray Junior. We all miss that guy for sure. What else can we talk about, DJ? I mean, there's been so much going on, bro. I've been out for like a long time. Heisman, Heisman stuff's kind of fun. We could always talk about that. We got, uh, let's see, Alabama, Alabama, or Alabama, right? Mm. I mean, I want to I vote for Trevor Lawrence. I think he's the best player in the country, but his stats are horrendous. Like, way, way down. Nowhere near Heisman quality. So you can't vote for Trevor Lawrence. I know uh, Devontae Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama, number six. That dude with bony knobby knees just like me. I might have to vote for him just for that. I mean... Long live the uh, bony knobby knee guys. Heck yeah, go get you a Heisman. Go get you. But really, I was talking to people throughout the week about Heisman stuff. And I didn't want to vote for Devontae Smith. I just, I don't think he's the best player in the country, right? So I'm trying to find a way to not do it. Mac Jones, nah. He's the quarterback at Alabama. Yeah, that doesn't impress me that much. He's played great. He's playing fantastic. But for the player of the year, the player of the year, the Heisman, no, doesn't do it for me. Najee Harris. I kind of wanted to vote for Najee Harris, the, the running back for Alabama. Right? I mean, he's got 
He's got, what, uh, 24 touchdowns plus three receiving, about 27 touchdowns, and about 1,500 yards. I think 1,200 of those yards are rushing. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great year. A lot of touchdowns. 27 touchdowns a bunch. Um, But really, those rushing yards and all that, not Heisman worthy, really. I mean, you'd look at someone uh, like last year, J.K. Dobbins. He had over 2,000 yards. With his 23 touchdowns, not quite as many touchdowns, but a boatload of yardage, right? So I don't know. I mean, 2020 is kind of unprecedented, and you don't know what to measure it with. But after I look at things all week, and after I've argued against Devontae Smith, I want to change my mind. I'm voting for Devontae Smith. Over 1,500 yards, 17 touchdowns. Uh... I think one of those is rushing. One of those, uh, he had a punt return as well, so he might be up to 19 touchdowns. Um, you know, four guys had 15 touchdowns last year, receiving touchdowns. But that was a few more games, and they all had a few more yards. But 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 15, 11, and that many touchdowns? That's a pretty doggone good year. Devontae Smith, I think he's going to be deserving of it. I think I'm going to stay with him. Um, and it's probably not going to be close when it comes down to it. The Heisman. It's kind of meh. You know, it's lost a lot of its actual best player in the country lure. And for me, personally, it lost it when Christian McCaffrey got hosed. But that year, Derrick Henry did win it. Derrick Henry's obviously a fantastic player. And uh, obviously worthy worthy of a Heisman in, in a lot of years, right? But Christian McCaffrey should have won the Heisman that year. His numbers were unbelievable. Broke all-purpose yards of Barry Sanders' record. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what records you have to break to be automatic for the Heisman, but that's, uh, that's up there. <laughs> that could be the one for me, especially. So that's what we got to talk about. Have I, have I forgotten anything, DJ? You just gonna get me out of here? He's cranking up the music. He ain't even looking at me. I guess that means we out. We out. We got the Steelers and the Bengals coming on Monday Night Football. I guess we can all go watch that. I'm RJ Dupree and this has been the Duke Show. Later.